You're listening to the BBC World Service Space Podcast. We're going to tell you how to live, work, play and fight at the final frontier, as well as saluting some of history's space pioneers. Happy listening. BBC. BBC. You're with the BBC. Now on the BBC World Service, Witness. Today we go back more than 30 years to the day the remains of the American space station Skylab hit a small town in Australia. Simon Watts reports. It's July 1979. After six years in orbit, Skylab, the first ever American space station, is hurtling back into the Earth's atmosphere. NASA tries desperately to control its descent. Preliminary estimates by NORAD indicate that uh, Skylab has impacted at uh, 42 degrees 87 minutes south, 105 degrees 0.97 minutes east, which puts it off the southwest corner of Australia. And on that corner of the Australian coast was the small town of Esperance. In 1979, the Shire president, or mayor, was Merv Andre. The um, controller of uh, SES, it's the State Emergency Service, a very good friend of mine and fellow councillor, uh, he was in touch with NASA for a week beforehand and, and they were telling us where the loop was going. It was going over the east and gradually heading west and they were trying to get it in a, a fairly non Inhabited area, mm-hmm. yeah. But about half past ten on the on the night of the 11th of July, NASA told us that it had come down in the Southern Ocean. And the emergency was over, so we thought nothing's happened after all. So I went home to bed, and at half past midnight, we were awoken by six loud sonic booms, and they rattled the house, and the wardrobe doors rattled, and the windows rattled. Elsewhere in Esperance and for hundreds of miles into the Australian outback, people saw flashing bits of debris light up the night sky. We've got a great big uh, headland on the edge of our town here, Wireless Hill it's called. A lot of people decided to go up there and watch for it and they were pretty frightened up there because bits were coming around uh, very low over their heads and falling in the sea. We thought it might come over and we might be able to see it flashing over here. We didn't expect it to be falling all around us and it fell right in town and in the farming areas and up north. And It's absolutely amazing that no people, no livestock, no buildings or anything was damaged, nothing whatsoever because the whole thing was three storeys high and it weighed 70 tonnes. There was a lot of material. When it launched in 1973, Skylab had been a completely new type of mission for NASA. Costing $10 billion, it was a purpose-built space laboratory designed for advanced scientific experiments and to test how long humans might be able to survive in space. This is the main storage room. Three deep freezes, one for each of the three crews. Ten water tanks, 700 gallons, that have got to last a total of two and a half months. The wardroom with individual water guns and cooking facilities has been fitted with a picture window providing good views of Earth. There's a private toilet, something every Apollo astronaut has longed for on those 12-day moon flights. Once they were on board, the astronauts did important research, but they also thrilled schoolchildren by performing simple scientific experiments, and millions of people around the world enjoyed their bulletins from the new space hotel. The Christmas season serves to heighten our awareness of others and the brotherhood of man. So to that end, I wish for all the world a most fruitful and peaceful day. The Skylab mission had been so popular that when the station crashed, everybody wanted to get their hands on a piece. 
NASA itself was on the scene quickly. A team of American experts set up a testing center at the local museum in Esperance. Using Geiger counters, they checked none of the fragments were dangerous, and they waited to see if some of the most valuable parts, like the Skylab telescope, might turn up. There was a great heap of them came over. They took bits of uh, all the stuff that was being brought in back to America with them to check it out. We got wiring boards um, encased in pink plastic. We had a freezer that they had their food frozen in. Did it sort of turn into a bit of a treasure hunt in the days immediately afterwards? Did people go out looking for for bits of Skylab deliberately? Oh, yes, they certainly did. The the, um, bushes and the sand dunes and the beaches around Esperance were combed very, very thoroughly by dozens and dozens of four-wheel drives that were up and down the beach and up in the sand hills. I found a piece uh, around the beach on the way to Cape Le Grand and brought it in, a section of a sphere of, of fibreglass, and it turned out that it was the outer casing of the nitrogen tanks, which were spherical. What was the attitude of people in Esperance towards everyone from NASA? Was there any kind of hostility towards them? Esperance is a fairly laid-back town. We understand that when you've got something zipping around out in space, uh, you know, you can't always know exactly what's happening and you can't... Uh, avoid some little errors happening, it happens, <laughs> you know, they all say. And so, uh, no, nobody was annoyed about it. Nobody punched their noses or anything or even threatened to. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, a newspaper launched a Skylab competition. They offered a huge reward for the first person to board a plane and bring a hunk of space station into their offices. 17-year-old truck driver Stan Thornton knew there were some bits of Skylab on the family chicken coop in Esperance. And as his mother Elsie recalls, he saw it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Come out in the paper, the, the $10,000 reward for the, from the San Francisco Examiner. And there was all these bits of things on the chook roof. So he went out there, he found the pieces, the bits of, just like charcoal that you have when you burn a piece of wood. Didn't waste any time. He left without his birth certificate, but he couldn't get on the other plane in Perth because he had no birth certificate. It cost $400 to send a birth certificate down so that he can, they can give him a passport to go to America. On his first and only trip abroad, Stan, now known as Skylab Stan, delivered his piece of space station to the newspaper offices. He became a minor celebrity, and his mum was invited out to join him on photo calls across America. Went to Cape Canaveral and they showed us everything there, what it was. They showed you how the, how the astronauts got in there and where they slept. They had to stand up to sleep and everything else about their food and that. Showed us around everywhere. He was, went, went and threw the first ball at the baseball game. Wherever he went, you mentioned Skylab stand, everybody stood up and clapped and looked around. Went to say hello to him, take his autograph and everything. How did how did he react to it? Because I mean, people say he was he, he's a shy guy, and you know, he's shy. Did, right, but, did, yeah. but did he? But did he? Did he actually love all the attention secretly? Do you think? Yeah, secretly he did. Yeah. Once the Skylab debris was cleared up, NASA helped pay for a new civic center in Esperance. But for decades, there was one outstanding issue: the small matter of a litter fine, which the space agency owed Merv Andre's council. Our arranger, a chap called Davy Somerville, a little Scottish fella, nice little bloke, he got this bright idea of uh, fining him for, for littering because he was our ranger and uh, litter inspector and so forth. So he, he uh, had his, refri- his infringement book with him, so, so he wrote out an infringement and gave it to Mr Gray. <laughs> That's the maximum fine for, for littering, $400, and said, here, cop that. 
And they laughed and put it in their pocket and took it away with them and they didn't bother to pay that either. The fine was eventually paid off in 2009, although by an American DJ, not by the American Space Agency. As for Skylab Stan and his mum, they still live in Esperance. The $10,000 may have long gone, but the Thorntons have fond memories of Skylab. He bought himself a car and had a bit of a holiday, a holiday in Perth. And then he went back to work driving trucks and he's still driving trucks. Is he still called Skylab Stan in town? Yes, he sure is. He's called Skylab. Wherever they see him, they call him Skylab. And what happened to the wreckage? Did you still have any bits of Skylab left yourself? Only the bit that's in my necklace. I got, took it to Kalgoorlie and had a necklace made out of a little piece. There are larger pieces of Skylab proudly on display today at the museum in Esperance, including a huge oxygen tank. The collection owes much to Merv Andre, former Shire president and now local historian. Witness was written and presented by Simon Watts. You can join the programme on Facebook. Just search for BBC Witness.